Welcome to another life-changing message. If you could just turn to Hebrews 11, verse 8 and to verse 12. We won't read 12, just verse 8 to verse 11. I'll read it for you, but it says in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith. Everyone say stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land as though it belonged to someone else. For he journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. One of the most all-time favourite scriptures on Hebrews 11 is this particular one for me. In verse 10 it says, His eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations whose architect and builder is God Himself. That is a powerful scripture. And then secondary to that, this, this particular scripture has just jolted my thinking recently. And it says here, Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. Now, let me read that again. The authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. And I'm reading from the passage translation. Another translation says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive a seed and bore a son when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who made the promise. Which basically meant the one giving the word, she said, he's good for it. Now you think about that with your prophetic words. Oftentimes it's never the the believing for the result of the prophetic word that's the issue. You, you get a word from the Lord, it's like, of course, that's amazing. And then you can see how it's going to turn out. You kind of can see conceptually when you get a word from God, you can say, oh, that's what it's going to look like. And who knows that the in-between moment is the most difficult time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was talking in Chicago about a month ago to some friends of ours who are part of our network again. And I said, here's a prophetic word for you. In 20 years time, you'll be going through process. <laughs> Everyone's like, Holy ghost power, I don't, know, I don't know about that word. And I was thinking, Genesis 8.22 says, until the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. Ever heard of that one before? I mean, that scripture there in the early 90s, I remember that growing up as a kid, like seed time and harvest, that was big time. Like That was a big time word. But that word there couldn't be more prevalent for today's culture. You know, most of us will have no problem in receiving a word and dreaming about it. But going through time is a frustrating thing. And the Bible says, you know, in that context of Genesis 8.22, it was talking about, here's here's Noah just coming out of a season of promises fulfilled. Really build a boat and all of a sudden the waters come, does does what it does. And then God says, look, I'm never going to kill the earth again. I'm never going to do this again. The rainbow was the sign of, of a promise. And then he says this statement, until the earth remains, there'll always be seed, time and harvest. Now, who knows sitting in this room right now, some areas of your life, it feels like harvest. Who's that right now? Like you're just kicking it, man. Your Instagram account's way up there. I mean, it's like, oh, this is like awesome. You know, it's like you got Gucci on there. And then in, (laughs) and then for some parts of your life, it's still seed. It's like nine to five. I'm just doing, I got to do this, but I'm faithful, but I'm stewarding. 
And then in between the train ride is time. It's like, dang, you've got every process song you can hear, even the ones that LA Cool J sang all the way back to those days. It's like you're singing process constantly. How do you get from there to there and be happy? I was the other day, I was with my daughter and, and it was so funny because she was like, I, basically she was getting upset because I didn't want to give her an ice cream in, in this particular cafe. We had a couple of stops to go to and I knew that the third stop would be the one where we could give her an ice cream. But she wanted it there. And you know, like when you're in those awkward parent stages where you're, you're putting Bubby into the car and then the woman who's walking past you at the same time, you, the kid's screaming at you, thinks you're abusing the kid and you're like... They're giving me dirty look. This woman literally stood outside of my car for like minutes. Wow. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, she's my daughter. And, you know, I married a, a, a blonde girl, blue eyes. So my kids don't even look like mine. They're like really light skinned, you know. <laughs> so they're like, and I was like, she's my daughter, you know. <laughs> but it was a really awkward time of, of, of like, hey, you can, sweetheart, you're going to get the ice cream in like a couple of steps. And the entire time for half an hour, she was, you know, upset. And, you know, again, she's just learning how to, to manage her emotions. Nothing wrong with that. And then we get to the third stop and she gets the ice cream. And I was like, well, sweetheart, I was always going to give you the ice cream. And <laughs> obviously you know where I'm going with this. And I was thinking oftentimes because of childhood wounds, we're still asking God for ice cream when he's like, Baby, I've got this. It's going to come here in the second stop. If you just enjoy the ride, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. But see, through the context of her small life, she's learning these things. And so much of our spiritual life is a progression of learning. It's crazy to think that when you accept Jesus in your life, you're absolutely perfect. Who's, who's perfect in this room today? Actually, every single person in this room is perfect. Well, there's a revelation for you, isn't it? I mean, it's like amazing. I mean, some of you guys are looking, oh, I went to the mirror this morning, I was like, yeah, perfection is looking straight back at me. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm telling you, Romans 8 verse 1 says, there's now, for there's now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ, In Christ Jesus. I, I, Lord, I need a 40-day fast to get the mind of Christ. No, you don't. You just need to stop your thoughts and get into His. Oh. Nothing wrong with fasting. I need to do a little bit more. But fasting won't, won't get me the mind of Christ, especially with the gift freely given to me. So what needs to be saved and what needs to go through a process? It's not your spirit man. When I accepted Jesus, lifted my hand up, was the brave person to say, yes, I'll follow him. I became completely perfect right there. What didn't become perfect is my soul and my body coming to terms with the revelation of who I am. Oh, that sounds like garden stuff. Yeah, it does. You're just like me. But then two options came. Did he really say that? Remember Genesis? And so constantly we're going through the same toil of, did he really say that? And I'm not just talking about spiritual life today. I believe that as we come into the revelation of being in Christ, being found in him, then I'm, I think it's going to change our world. You know, James 5, 16, 17, this has got nothing to do with my message, but I was thinking, I was just having this thought the other day. It's like James 5, 17 says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Talking about Elijah, he stopped and started reign for three years. That's amazing. You can write a book on that, like the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, which is, that is absolutely true. 
It's also true but that, that the Holy Spirit and the Father make intercession on your behalf, according to Romans 8. And three times in Romans 8, including Romans 8, 26, says the Father makes intercession on your behalf. You know what that means? Like the Holy Spirit and the Father make intercession. They pray for you. I'm pretty sure they get their prayers answered. So he's praying and then I'm doing the righteous thing by praying. Oh, hang on. Matthew 18 verse 19 says, when you, one or two are gathered in my name, there I'm in the midst. I don't have to just find three, four people to gather around. I'm with God in Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with God. All praying for my benefit. I hope this is landing somewhere on you guys. I'm saying that as much as we are praying for God, God is double praying over us. I mean, double is an understatement. Oh, I just love Jesus. Yeah, 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 because He loved you first. It's all through the pattern of the Bible. I begin to get excited about how God is doing things. And as you read Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you see phenomenal people, matriarchs, patriarchs of the faith that are going through in-between moments. Get a word. It takes time. Now, I'm not saying time has to be 100 years, but it can be. You know, it, it, it could be a minute. But like Abraham and Sarah, it was some time. I mean, they had reason to believe it couldn't have come to pass. But in that verse, it was like, it was her faith in God's promises that she was in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. That's amazing. Considering the same context, she laughed. I mean, I would laugh too. I mean, you think of Grandma and Poppy like, all right, you sure? I think Abraham and Sarah are a beautiful con- contrast of true life. Getting a word, hasn't worked out. Is it going to be a part? Is it going to happen like you said? It's going to happen. Quick, let's create an Ishmael. And people say, well, no, don't create Ishmaels. I mean, of course. But sometimes, you know, we get stuck in moments where we don't know anything else to do except to try and create something. This is why being led by the Holy Spirit is so important, attached to having a revelation of the prophetic word. And then obviously they come back to each other and say, actually, no, 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 we're going to have that child. The Lord says to, and again, I'm paraphrasing this, but says to Abraham, look, Abraham, step outside the tent. It's actually not going to be one son, it's going to be many sons. And God's such a gentleman, He will never show you something. He will never give you a word without showing the context. Abraham could only, I mean, Abraham, let alone one faith, many sons, only really had faith to believe one son. But God in His brilliance will give you a word just to get you moving to then say, actually, this is what it looks like. So he steps outside the tent, looks into the sky and says, if you can count as many stars are up there, you can have as many sons. And God, He's such a beautiful gentleman. And I, such a, a gentleman is the only eloquent word that I could describe the Lord. I mean, there's so many others, but I think he's so kind to us that he's constantly wanting to move you more than you want to be moved. Mm. How do I know this? Psalms 139 verse 18 and 19, and I better read it because I'll probably get it wrong. And plus, you, you need to at least me see touch the Bible at least five times to say that I'm legitimate. <laughs> But Psalms 139 verse 18 and 19 says this. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. 
If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. I, I want to read it from the Passion Translation. And I'm unsure if you know what the Passion Translation is, but it's a great, yeah, it's a great illustrative version of the Bible. Verse 17, I'll read it there to verse 18 and 19. It says, Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and how wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grain of sand on every shore. For when I awake each morning, you're still with me. I think about God and how he thinks. Now remember, you get a prophetic word. Now, obviously, I feel like a bent today on prophetic and maybe that's relevant for where you're at today. But hearing of the word of the Lord and then seeing it come to pass, that in-between moment. The in-between moments are often difficult if you don't understand how the Lord sees you. Because sometimes if you feel the Lord is judging you or testing you in between a word, you're going to think you're like a little tradie working for a tradesman and he says, I'm just never good enough and you'll get there at some point, but you need to keep learning, you need to keep learning. And it's this dictatorial God that you have envisioned over you that you feel it's like making it hard for you to get to that spot. I want to tell you something, the Lord is so kind in His thoughts towards you you understand you're, you're his prized possession. You think about this, you're his prized possession. Jeremiah 29, 11, Can anyone even quote that scripture? I'm sure it's like, it's like the most profound scripture. I better go there and find it. Come on, if someone can yell it, yell it. Come on, come on, yeah. I always love that because you use a future and hope and then everyone is like, I know this one's going to Future and hope. <laughs> I just did that this morning. Don't worry about that. But let me read it. Verse 10. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. Everyone say future and hope. Future and hope. All right. So what is this describing? God's thoughts towards you. Hang on. Didn't you just say... His thoughts towards me cannot be compared to the grain of sand on every single shore in the entire universe. So let's just say this is the table. Obviously, it is a pulpit. And I, the table, the pulpit is me and I'm God. I'm looking at it at many angles saying, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, you're going through failure. The Lord is looking at your failure through the context of future and hope. I, I, I don't feel as faith-filled. He's looking at your faith through future and hope. I just, I just gave someone the finger as I pulled into church because they took my spot and I realised it's sister someone. <laughs> He's looking at you through the context of future and hope. Every single time. And while you're sleeping, He's still thinking about you. You know, I make tables on the side as a side business. You know, it's, it's what I love doing. And, and part of that is because, you know, we're pastoring a lot of people. And so a great stress reliever is building tables for me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I love building tables as part of creative you know, culture. And in fact, I pro I, probably because I watched Magnolia about five years ago, now all of a sudden I feel like a chip gains. But <laughs> I'm trying to make tables, you know. And I make tables. And before I receive payment and send it to the shop or the person who, whose home it's going into, I check it so many times, it's unbelievable. 
My wife says to me, Joel, you're your worst critic. You're like, seriously. But I think every creative goes through a process of before the thing gets out there, no one's going to love it. <laughs> they can't. Oh, I missed a spot. I, I spent 20 hours on it. I missed an edge there. Like my wife's like, what edge? I'm like, can't you see it? Like it's all, I'm, not, I'm not delivering it. it needs to, I need to redo it. You can't, you spend four days away from the kids already building this darn table. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, all right, but like, just let me fix it. And the, what I'm toiling over is not even the transaction of finances that I receive. What I'm toiling over is that it represents me. Yes. That when it sits in someone's office or someone's home, they think of table, then they think of me. And if it's not good, they think of my integrity, my character, and I'm putting my whole weight of my creative genius on this table. Hang on, that sounds like God. What does he say in Ephesians 2.10? I can quote it, but I just like reading out of the Passion Translation. I'm going to find it for you. I love the, what he says here in Ephesians 2.10. Is this okay for you? Amen. We have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Another translation says this, you are His workmanship. Hang on, that's builder terms. That sounds like Joel table stuff, except to a quite greater degree. So think about this. He looks at you a billion times, a billion times. Cannot be compared to the thoughts that he has towards you. Through the context of future and hope. And when he sends you to this earth, the seal of being sent is that you represent him. Perfect, enabled, ready to do what you're exactly designed to do. I'm telling you now, I'm getting excited right now. I feel like, man... Then traveling through the journey period before the inevitable, man, that becomes amazing when I know the one who looks at me that many times is saying, you're the best thing since sliced bread. I remember when my wife first started, you know when you've gone from just, oh, introducing each other, you're nice, you're amazing, to, wow, I'm really into you. And when she looked at me that certain way, I'm like, okay. I had so much jupe on me, it wasn't funny. <laughs> Back in the early 2000s, jupe was good. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, wa- I walked in smelling like Macy's, let alone looking like it. I was like, <laughs> but I, I remember when she first looked at me, the confidence, the stelginess that I had about myself, the, I, don't know, I just felt like a second gear inside of me when she looked at me. And I'm sure she would have felt the same way about me, but I'm saying definitely what I felt, you know. She would have been like, no, I kind of, you lent into me. I was like, okay, when you looked at me, I was excited, you know. Now, imagine how God sees you. I mean, human relationship is so phenomenal. I mean, it's something we all die for. But it's almost nothing compared to God's love for you. I mean, he's so in love with you. He prays for you more than you pray for yourself. He's just, he's better than your best friend. You know, like your best friend's like, I'm praying for you. I'm like, okay, thank you so much. But you know, like, I'm really praying for my situation right now. You know, (laughs) like, I appreciate that. But like, hey, I'm really praying. Like, I need the breakthrough yesterday. I'm like, (laughs) but God is better than even your best friend. He's like, he's constantly praying for you. He's, you're constantly in his thoughts. Failure, success, and everything in between, he's looking at you through the context of future and hope. 
you imagine when you're waiting for your breakthrough right now? He has a billion ways to get it to you. I started learning this thing just more recently, thinking like an entrepreneur in a sense, you know. And if I have a certain problem, I would think of, try and think of seven ways that the problem could be solved. Because I'm starting to understand like, oh, the, the check in the mail will come or the creative genius of making a table or a record, whatever it is for you, is also God's way of sending you a gift. Isn't that amazing? You know, He's so phenomenal towards you that He will never reserve anything from you. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says that the gifts are without repentance. You know what that means? He's never sorry that He gave it to you in the first place, whether you do it for God or not. That's, I'm serious. He, he's, so, he's so bigger than an earthly father that He will give you a gift and bless you and love, the, love you even without you using it for its intent, intended purpose. This is why the world will not get saved when they lose their riches and people lose their voices and they can't sing anymore and whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's never going to happen. It's just never. It's totally contrary to God that He would take away something He freely gave to you. Because when He says the gift of repentance, you know what God said? I'm not sorry I gave it to you. Go enjoy it. The parable of the Son is the, really a, a New Testament interpretation of that Scripture. The way the father loves that son is like, you're my boy, you'll have an inheritance, you'll have an inheritance when you come home. Here it is. Steward it or not, you're my son. It's crazy. So I'm telling you about God, how much He loves you. So you understand when you go through in-between moments, we don't freak out. We understand that. And what I said, we won't freak out. I freak out all the time. There was a time where I was going through a monthly anxiety attack. Monthly, you know, it was generally, and it was when I was a student, to be honest with you, when Sarah and I moved here, we were Bethel students originally before we got hired. So my monthly anxiety attack really started every 25th to every second of each month, which sounds like rent to, which it was. <laughs> we had, you know, we just came here believing the Lord. Our house didn't sell. But my wife had this prophetic word saying, if you just get there, God's going to take care of everything. I love those words. I just hope the next time that God gives her a word that includes money in that sentence as well. <laughs> She's like, God, you know when someone's like, I just, I just pray God bless you. I go, great. Can you say blessing and money at the same time? <laughs> but I remember it would, get, it would get tough, 25th. I'm like, some of my friends who visited from Australia are like, man, you've lost a lot of weight, Joel. You're doing well. I'm like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, riding, <laughs> it's riding that bike to school. And uh, the 25th, the 27th is my best workout every month. <laughs> Oh, who's ever been in that spot, man? <laughs> but I remember Sarah reread the word. And she had prophetic journals. You know, she would re record all the words that were given to us as evidence, as like a bank account of reminding myself that this is what the Lord is actually saying about this current circumstance. Oh, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Every time the money came through. We came here with nothing and in the first 12 months of us being here, we were given 50 grand to do school. Now, I want to say that I wish 50 grand would just come in a nice Bank of America check. But it came in drips. It came in drips, you know. Sometimes the tap was dripping really good. Sometimes it was squeezed tightly, so tight, I was like, is there even a tap there? And, I'm like, <laughs> and, then, and then in our second year, we were given another 55 grand. And our house never sold. It's just so crazy. It just never sold during that, those periods. 
But I, I felt excited because I was thinking the Lord was always going to get us to the spot that He wanted us. But what He was trying to do is build Joel and Sarah to handle the spot that I was about to be given. And I had to make sure that I could believe God in a breakout service as much as I could in the silence of my bedroom, believing where is He right now? I mean, I've got to be honest with you, one of my greatest all-time preachers is T.D. Jakes. And I, I mean, he came like, he became, his voice became like a personal mentor to my mind, you know, I was like, I'd replay a certain story he talked about when his electricity got turned off and stuff like that. And I'd been close to those times. But I was just like, oh, if he can just, if he could just stay true to what his calling was, so could I. This is why I love the body of Christ. It's like, just look somewhere and you'll find someone who's been through something to get to somewhere they're going. I feel so much presence in this room right now. So we know that God is going to get you to that spot. How do I know that? Isaiah 55, 11 says, Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God will accomplish what it's set forth to do. So what it's set forth to do is, is obvious. So I know I'll make a bold statement here, but you may not even need faith for the obvious. You need faith the most in the time, in the process. I'm telling you, I mean, when I was going through that season of, and there's been many seasons, straight onto the process, I almost have a process mix on my iPhone. It's like, when I'm waiting on something, it's like every song, there's like, and in the waiting and the midst of something. You know, like, you know Waymaker, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then, you know, the victory, the, the victory comes on straight onto Coldplay. Praise Jesus. I love it. You know, it's like... I'm just being real with you, but I know that the Lord is teaching me so much in the in-betweens. So every word that comes out of His mouth will accomplish what it's set forth to do. And the verse 11 is the most quoted part of Isaiah 55. Except sometimes we fail to read anything before 11 and anything beyond it. But very, very first in verse 8 and 9 says, His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Which means the in-between moment could look like Oh, wow, I don't know how I got here, but I got here. How I thought that I would be working for Bethel was the promise that I felt from the Lord. How I got here, I don't even, can't even explain. I would have never mapped it out. would never have thought that would be the journey to get here. Because His ways are higher than our thoughts. thoughts sorry, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But I got to know that He looks at you through context of future and hope. I mean, that's crazy. Jeremiah 1.5 says, He knew you before you were born. No wonder why the prophetic is so good because it sounds, you know, when you get a prophetic word, you're like, oh man, I just feel like I knew that one before. Did you? Maybe you already did hear it. Maybe you had a cup of coffee with God and in your natural body right now, you're just getting updated with what He already said. Because He knew you before you were born. That knowing there is like a husband and wife would know each other. Sometimes my wife will say something and sometimes she doesn't. She just gives me the look and I'm straight outside with the two bins there saying, all right, it's bin day tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I forgot it the last two weeks, just piling up in the garage now, you know. <laughs> but I, I really feel like friendship with the Lord, the fact that He loves you, prophetic words, can, can you survive the in-between? It's the in-between that's the making of you. It's the in-between that makes the, the ballad beautiful. The setting up of the orchestra to that final piece. The sacrifice of driving and doing something and getting into the, the grind of life and, and doing it. Jesus Himself did it. 
I remember in the 90s, we would do, what would Jesus do? Remember those things? Yeah. You go, what would Jesus do? And then, you know, Friday night, you go, like, what, what would he do? But, um, <laughs> but I know we grew up on what would Jesus do, which I think is a phenomenal thing. But what would Jesus do across 33 and a half years, not just three and a half? Because the three and a half years, we've been trying to live our entire Christendom on the brilliance of His assignment that took Him 30 years to develop and culturize and to design moment that had the most impact. And then we go to church and we're like, He's the healing worker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise of villain. And I'm like, we know all that and it's true. Nothing about it is untrue. It's totally true. But what Jesus proved to us, even Himself, is that He still had to go through personally a process. I mean, Jesus at 12 was you're talking to the synagogue leaders, talking questions, teaching, blah, blah, blah. His father and mom, where are you guys? They're already halfway on to Egypt. <laughs> Dang, that, that boy still is like. <laughs> and then you don't hear anything of 18 years. I'm going to say it was 18 years of nine to five, punching the coal carts, building the table, delivering the furniture with his daddy. Doing things, mundane things. Oh, I've got prophetic destiny. If I don't get in three minutes, I'm, not, I'm going to quit the church. <laughs> I'm like, man, the guy that we all love still had to go through a process. He had to show that every temptation was, that was common to man, that he would be able to provide a way to escape whilst we bear it. It's not just the temptation of sin, it was the temptation to quit on our dreams. The temptation to be lesser than what God created you to be. The temptation to take the easy Ishmael road out and not wait for the Jacob, but to the easy way. And the Lord is doing something inside you today. I can feel it in this room. I gotta say, mostly this message is for me. <laughs> I feel like the Lord is doing something inside of you to remind you in your in-between moment, I'm looking at you through these contexts, future hope. You know, Noah, build a boat. You read the story of Genesis 7 and 8. Well, actually, Genesis 6, 7. He builds the boat. But you know, you think about that. Here's a guy that found favor in God's sight out of everyone in the entire world at that point. Build a boat. After five years, his friends would be like, you yeah, know, Noah, I get it. But it's a big investment for some of you heard the Lord say, you know. Ten years. Look, bud, your family members are starting to leave you now. 25 years, he's the laughingstock. Once you get to 85, 90 years in Noah's life in that period, you would have been driving on his street and began to laugh. Thinking like, oh, crazy, Noah, he's building that boat. And it's like, you know, like I, I, I get crazy on many words, but he had one word. Man. One word. Scholars say that it took 100 years to build the boat. Between the word was 500, 600, the flood came. So for 100 years, he would have had to Build and conjure and, 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 and ignore and build and ignore and build and go through the process when having no one else had context for the dream. No one else had context for the word. Except Noah's hammer and hammers. And, and I don't know if it was like Bruce Almighty, like the, the elephants were helping. I'm not sure. I, I, I hope to think it would be like that because that would have been hard work. But the fact that, that he built something for 100 years, no one understood. Jesus, 18 years. Noah, 100 years. Joseph, uh, Genesis 39 verse 6 says, and Joseph was a successful man because the Lord was with him. Man, that scripture is amazing, but that scripture is written when he was in the prison. What? He's a successful man. 
Because the Lord is with him. He went through a process of 20, what, 17 he had the dream, 13 years until fulfillment. And when you want to include the prime ministership, 16 and a half years, 16 years. That's crazy. To be told you're this and to build it without anyone having context of understanding for you. You know, Mary had to carry the, the, the birth child Jesus. Like you think of that in the current context is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I laugh sometimes when people don't believe in miracles today. And every Christmas they say, unto us a child is born through the mercy. I'm like, dude, 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 virgin birth? That's crazy in itself. If you believe Christmas, you believe signs and wonders. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so, I don't even argue anymore. It's like, you believe Christmas? Yeah, of course. Signs and wonders then, all over you. Praise God. <laughs> it's a great way for sensationalists. You, know, ah, you believe the Lord. Okay. But she had to hold something that no one understood. I mean, you imagine marrying someone like that. Well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and now I'm pregnant. Like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But she did. She, she said, be it unto me. Thankfully, she took that word. Elizabeth too. And, and you, the, the stories go on and on and on and on. I could talk about so many in the Bible. Joshua, you know, you know Joshua was like, everywhere you lay the sole of your feet, Joshua 1 verse 5, I'll give it to you. If there's not a prophetic word on leadership, I don't know what is. You'd be like, oh, six books later, I'm writing everything. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, it was necessary that he had that prophetic word because then in Joshua 1, four or five times it says, be strong and courageous. And this is what's happening through time between the seed and the harvest. It's time. It's the testing of this word. You know, like when I got married, I had to say yes and Sarah had to say yes. And the preacher was looking at us going, do these kids know what they're getting into? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure he would have thought that. I've married a couple before. I'm like, it's so sweet. Just say yes. And it's going to be tested. And when I gave that, you know, it's funny. Like when I pre-saying yes, I didn't feel testing. I was living free life. All of a sudden I say yes to one woman and make covenant. And for the last 14 years, not so much now, but at least the last 14 years, I've had to continually say yes. Psalms 105 verse 19 is talking about Joseph. It says, until the word of the Lord came to pass, the word tested him. If there's a most misunderstood scripture in the Bible, it would be that one because most people say the Lord tested him. But I've almost checked every translation says the word tested him. That's like marriage stuff. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm thinking about Hawaii. Yes, I do. She's thinking about kids. Yes, I do. I'm thinking about Hawaii. She's thinking about a home. Yes, I do. And at least at some point, it's going to be tested. And it's been tested and tested and tested. But the validity of how strong that word can only happen through testing. I mean, she can say Joel's committed. It's so easy to say Joel's committed in the first two weeks of our marriage. Joel's committed after 14 years or my parents 50 years or whatever it is so many times. Oh, he's committed. That means something. I'm not saying if you failed in that area, that's not even an issue. God's, God's so gracious for you. If you failed in that area, just be committed now. But I'm talking about commitment. I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's like the prophetic word. You're going to be picket, picket. It was in Russia once and I, I called out some guy and I said, I just feel like you're the Coldplay of Russia. Funny enough, he was. <laughs> And I gave him this whole prophetic word about music and arts and stuff like that. And I, <laughs> I felt pretty chummed myself, actually, because I didn't Google it before. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that. 
But I gave him the prophetic word and I was thinking the testing. What makes anything beautiful is it, is it tested. What they, when they send an aircraft off, sometimes when you're in delay, they're like, you know what? The, the, the engineer is just testing something. Because there's friction against what is holding this airplane together. Almost everything in the entire universe is tested at some point. And again, our prophetic words will go through a season of testing. It's called time and process. Well, we just need to call the elders together and we need to get these demons out of this place. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, <laughs> and some of that is true. But most of that is the validity of the word being tested on your life. Ever got that word? Like I've, I've had this word many times. I just see Joel as a great leader and is a great businessman. All of a sudden I get home, there's three bills sitting on the counter. I'm like, is this the same Joel? What's going on here? It's like, now when I add up the sum of those bills, I'm in worse stage than right now. It's like, this is crazy. But my, my thought life and my stewardship of my mind and my ability to be creative has to be tested to say Joel's going to be successful in this area. And I'm not saying a bill can be circumstantial, but I'm saying oftentimes we are presented with a contrary word against the word that we just got. You're going to lead. You're going to be a great mom. And all of a sudden your kids are having a meltdown in Target. And then you're like looking everywhere and putting them back into the high ice. I'm like, that's that's the word of the Lord testing you. But it's not God putting a hammer on you, testing the strength of you. Especially not the God who looks at you through context of future and hope. But it's the word serving notice on the validity of can he handle what or can she handle what he's about to walk in or she's about to walk into. You know, I, I, um, I really feel like he's breaking failure off people today. You know what's crazy? My, I was on a trip recently and I, I said this in this morning's church service and I, 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 I love being a clean freak. I'm like, everything is, even my carpet is, you know, it's like lawn mode areas. It's like, Perfectly lined, you know? <laughs> One, then triangle up, down, right. Anyways, there's a particular carpet piece in our house that's in the living room, and it's obviously, uh, it's, it's so visible. When you enter our house, it's the very first thing you look at, the, the lounge room in, the, in this beautiful thing. So I'm like really particular about making sure I vacuum it every night. I don't relax until it's all vacuumed. You know, like you put the kids to bed, clean them up, put the washing machine on, make a coffee. I feel good about life, you know? <laughs> and then I sit down and watch Netflix or whatever it was, you know? So I'm sitting down, we're cleaning up, ready to do this. My boy's, you know, cleaning up as well. And then he grabs the broom and he begins to sweep dust back onto that rug. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but I was like, oh, <laughs> I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> then I thought about that situation of why I got so upset. But it was just God healing me, trust me. But then I was thinking about like, you know, God, the Lord said he was, he's really wanting to do what you were doing. And, and I feel like for some people today is God's taking the shame of not hitting the mark. I think God is impressed that you got the broom out in the first place. You got a word from the Lord. You tried this. You thought it was because this is what you thought the Lord wanted you to do. And it didn't work. And now you've cocooned yourself for five years saying, I don't hear the voice of the Lord. But the Lord sent me all the way from California via Australia today to tell you that, hey, He's so impressed that you got the broom out in the first place and began to do what Daddy does. I want to tell you something today that God 
is reawakening dreams and purpose and vision and destiny over your life. There's some businesses that shouldn't have died that are about to be alive again. Resurrection power over businesses and families. And there's some people that have walked away from you that, that, that God is bringing reconciliation. There's, there's dreams, there's churches, there's plants and there's things that God is saying, hey, bring out the canvas again and the paintbrushes and begin to play with me. Every word that proceedeth out of his mouth will accomplish what he set forth to do. And I know my time is almost up. I'm, I'm sorry, Vanel. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny when I'm sorry, Vanel. I know it went over time. <laughs> but I'm telling you today, the Lord is reminding you that he's a builder. He's okay with process. He's in the process as much as he's in the seed time and the harvest time. You'll never separate his thoughts of future and hope from your life. You'll never separate him from earnestly praying for your benefit. You'll never see him not awake thinking about you. He's always going to be awake. He's never going to be sleeping on the job. He's thinking about you a billion times, a billion times through the context of future and hope. And he says, you're amazing. You're phenomenal. You got this. What you're building, some people may not understand, just like Noah, just like Joseph, just like Joshua, just like Jesus, just like Zechariah, all these people. But that's okay because a generation will love you and champion you and thank God that you just didn't pray for an answer, but you became the answer through the fact that you walked into destiny today. I'll close with one final story. I took my wife to Paris and I sound like a, a Casanova when I did that, but truly it was a, it was a, it was a, I was that, no, I'm kidding. It was just a good time. We went away with some friends and it was a phenomenal moment and we went to different things in that trip. And, and the bus driver of the trip stopped at Gustav Eiffel's Tower, the Eiffel Tower, began to tell us the story of how Eiffel Tower was built. And the Eiffel Tower, she began to talk about how it was actually a celebration of the steel industry back in the day. In Paris, you'd only build buildings six stories high or something like that. So to build a building beyond that was, that's amazing. Also, that kind of doesn't fit in with the landscape of the city. So Gustav, as an architect, wanted to celebrate the design, the ingenuity from man creating steel back in the 1700s. And when I say steel, steel for buildings. And so he built this tower for an expo to demonstrate the strength of steel. This is amazing. And all of a sudden, um, they couldn't pull it down because it became too big, obviously, the monument. But 26,000 petitions were signed to pull it down. They, they wrote to the, the, the Paris local government and the government of France saying, it's ugly. It doesn't fit in the landscape. And it's so funny because I saw thousands of people taking pictures in front of this thing. I remember Sarah and I were sitting at a coffee shop, you know, we're doing the Instagram thing, like, make sure the coffee's here, make sure we're sitting here. And the, <laughs> the Eiffel Tower's there like, you know, like, like we're just chilling, but like everything was posed like. <laughs> you know, when you go on a date and someone else takes the photo for you and someone's like, were there three of you on that? No, 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 we just took it, you know, we just, you know. <laughs> well, I was there doing that. And then she said this thing about people wanting to tear it down. And I'm like, man, the Lord spoke to me. He's like, that sounds like us when we're building something in the spirit that no one understands. One generation is saying, and your family might be saying, this is crazy. What the heck are you doing at church at three o'clock in the afternoon? But what one generation will say, that's crazy. Another one will be sitting there going, whoa, that's amazing. That's amazing. Look at what you've become. Look at the masterpiece. I'm telling you today, the Lord 
is send me here to remind you that the monument that God is building inside of you is, I'm telling you, it's not just coming out in thought, it's coming out in creativity, it's coming out in family, it's coming out in restoration, it's coming out in being healthy, it's coming out with having the thoughts of God. And the world is looking for context on how they can see the glory of God. Glory of God is only going to come as, as, as you know, fire falling from heaven and, and six hour services. And that could be the case. That's part of it. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But it comes out with someone giving an answer to a problem. Yes. It comes out with, you know, Solomon had the solutions from heaven. He really did. But he didn't get that in a Sunday morning prophetic service. He got that in a dream, woke up and realised that was God and began to activate the gift of wisdom. There was no coffee, cup of coffee with the pastor about, hey, did you, can we just really line up what that prophet said? There was no prophet involved. It was just God, Solomon, and bang, he was better in the next day. I feel like some of you are going through moments when you go to sleep, you'll wake up and like, man, I just solved that problem that I had for three months. Spiritual intelligence, spiritual downloads being downloaded to you for equations. Man, this stinking car, I can't get it to work. All of a sudden it works. I just put three litres of oil in it. I didn't, it didn't need that yesterday. It now needs it today. God is giving you solutions. <laughs> and right now, I just bless you. The Father that looks at you a billion ways through the context of future and hope is making ways for you today. He's driving out forces that have been opposing you. Forces that have been in your mind is driving, I see like the Lord with a big rubber, rubber, sorry, rubber, <laughs> eraser, erasing things out of your mind right now. I feel like God's saying, there's one person, maybe it's a couple, I don't, I don't have a clean slate. I don't feel pure enough. Hang on, you couldn't be more pure or more perfect in Christ. Come to that revelation and begin to live life. Oh, good, Joel, 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 I only do death and burial. I don't really do resurrection life. You're about to do resurrection life because it was never just two of those things. It was all three. You can do death, burial, come with sacrifice, and now go and live life. <laughs> Would you stay on your feet? Can we have the music, team? I just wanted them to sing one song. Would you stay on your feet? Was this good for you today? I... It's a real privilege I get to speak to you. I'm sorry that I had to come in late. I... I blame Giovanni, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I, I feel in this room, in this church, vision and a pregnancy for the impossible. You know, my pastor Bill Johnson says, you know when you have a renewed mind when the impossible seems possible. Right. And I was like, man, I, I looked at my friend, I'm staying in his apartment in, in downtown, and I said, I, he has this big picture of this word. And I keep looking at it every day I have breakfast because it's literally in these breakfast rooms. I'm like, man, that's amazing, that, that, that thought. But I was thinking, I can have that thought if I have his mind and I realise I'm fully in Christ. So if he thinks about me through future and hope, I can think about me through future and hope. I can think about situations through future and hope. And going through the in-between moments seem to be a little bit easier now because I'm connected to the one who calls me his own. Thank you, Jesus. As these guys just play this song, I don't know if someone can sing this song. It's called Waymaker, and I kind of like it. And when I say I kind of like it, I listened listen to it like for five hours yesterday. It's just constantly in my earphones. My, I said to my wife, I love this song. She's like, let me guess, Waymaker? Yeah, I'm like, yes. But this song has been going in my spirit, and I believe that today, prophetically, I was sent here to open a gate for you to see the supernatural abundance of heaven flood through. 
and I, I just want to tell you, you're not, you're, you're not bigger than God that you will self-sabotage the favor of God on your life. Amen. Psalms 23, 6 says, the goodness and mercy of God will follow you all the days of your life. So yes, we pray for favor, but at the end of the day, it's still following you. Like, let's pray for nations, but also realize in Psalms 1, he says, pray for me and I'll give you nations as your inheritances. So if he's going to give it to you, it's his in the first place. He's asking you to ask it for him. That's a totally different style of praying for nations now. It's like, I'm not pleading out for you to do something you don't have. I'm praying for you to, to give me what you already said you'd want to give me. And then the outworking of that is you in your medical field or your lawyer or your mum and dad or your technician, you're at home, whatever you're doing, doing it brilliantly unto the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says, Do everything wholeheartedly unto the Lord for in due season you shall receive a reward. So, so the Word is right. The due season's coming. Do everything excellent. The process in the in-between moments. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.